0: How are you? Hello, I'm
1: very well. Thank you.
0: How are you, my darling? I'm good, I'm good. I'm a little tired, uh, because I was oh. out at Hindu last night, which was very, very fun, but it was one of the like all day things where you get there at like midday and you're you're going all the way through to the end of the night. But it was a lot of fun. We did have a little bit of adult entertainment at one point, which oh, I um, heard. we all thoroughly enjoyed. It was the first time I'd really been at Hindu like that before, where it's very much like the traditional you know a classic hen, a classic hen uh, went for bottomless brunch and then we had a gentleman guest join yes. the party at one point that was pre-booked in advance a kissogram a kissogram yes no exactly <laughs> i think i finally found out what a kissogram does so ah oh, wonderful <laughs> that was good we i learned the mystery what about you how are you
1: i am also quite tired because uh, last night i was at a eurovision party mm. i think eurovision's wonderful i think it's such a true pure and joyful event like it's you don't really get anything Like more pure than like an international singing competition. I know. Like as a concept in itself. There's nothing really more lovely than that. Were
0: you a big Eurovision girly before like this before this year, before the UK one?
1: I'm not um I'm not one of the kind of like real hardcore Eurovision fans who knows the facts, you know, knows like kind of thirty years of Eurovision history, plus kind of has already got all their predictions lined up for like, you know, weeks ahead who is who is gonna be the front runner. Mm. But I do really like it i did used to watch it when i was younger and in lockdown there were a few kind of eurovision re-watches that i did take part in at a point mm. when i was very desperate for content you know and there was nothing <laughs> on tv in 2020 like there was nothing yeah and it was like just re-watches because we were just like there's nothing else to do we need a sense of having friends um <laughs> that's where that's where that came about and I, I really enjoyed that it was a great night um you know like there's obviously the stereotype that gays love Eurovision but <laughs> so I'm told so I'm told me and my partner literally turned up at this birthday party come Eurovision party in someone's garden and mm. wonderful setup, lovely like bonfire happening in a lovely fire pit they had like little disco balls you know around the garden camp camp but they only had then they had a tv and some speakers there as well everyone sat around the fire absolutely no one has sat in front of the tv and we pull up we pull up our garden chairs and we take front row seats we get our layers on <laughs> and we take up our front row seats and we're like oh, it's quarter past eight it's already started it's already started can we where can we go can we gotta get
0: around guys get Can, we, can we?
1: where's the where's the ice box we need to just we need to get started so it was great but um fantastic night eventually everyone caught on they uh you know a lot of people kind of gravitated to the tv but um yeah it was actually muted during the results um oh, so really? I like, this is actually really boring let's put some music on I was like, sorry Then <laughs> you were like this is where we find out <laughs> well we're going home and we did <laughs> but um not just because of that it was also time to go home but
0: yeah it was a good night it was a good night a highlight from the night for me was uh, seeing Catherine Tate announce the the UK scores, and yeah. oh my goodness, was she apparently, you know, allegedly drunk? <laughs> she was either very nervous or a little
1: drunk. Um, I probably mixed the two. wine. I think they had excellent
0: hospitality at mm-hmm. the event
1: for all the staff, and I think she took full advantage.
0: Friend of the pod, um, Ethan, who regularly listens to Hulala, La, he was working Eurovision over the last couple of months, and I've been seeing a lot of stuff on his Twitter and Instagram about the behind the scenes of it, so I can only imagine they were very well uh, catered for and looked after, and she seemed like she was enjoying herself, she seemed like she was having a lovely time, gal. Um, it was just the way she kept slipping between English and French, and then she slipped in a little,
1: allons-y. Allons-y. <laughs> She was so funny. She was so good. Friend mm. of the podcast Ethan must have had a great time. He met Hannah Waddingham. I think he mm. had a
0: hell of a night. Honestly, I can. I'm very jealous. Ethan, very jealous. But uh, we both kind of had a panic because you were in the middle of your Eurovision party and I was in the middle of my hen do. And we both suddenly realised, oh shoot, trailer's probably dropping today for the Doc 260th. And we were messaging each other. And We were like, are you are you free tonight to like post anything about it? And I was like, no, I'm at a hen do. Are you free to post anything? You're like, no, I'm at this like birthday party Eurovision thing. So ah, we both were just furiously texting each other throughout the night. What? does it mean like seeing all of the titles drop i mean that was that was something <laughs> eurovision that was something. aside that was something in of itself
1: i think the estimation for how many people saw the trailer live last night it was eight million i oh would my have God. Seen that as it came out that's insane the bad wolf team they know what they're doing with the marketing like what they did as well with announcing Shooty as the doctor when he was already on the red carpet for the baftas for example mm-hmm. so he'd already get the interviews because all the cameras were already there so no need to set up a press event you know genius Genius. genius I love
0: it genius and the things like with the little codes that they were dropping on Twitter and they were telling us the titles of the episodes like the Star Beast and everything and we had no idea we didn't know we didn't know we didn't know and the way as well like
1: everyone they they knew that Doctor Who fans are feral and desperate for content enough that we would decode the binary <laughs> and work out like weeks prior that this was going to be a Eurovision even trailer. if it is
0: our birthday party even even then
1: we out, I think it worked out like within half an hour right of the trailer dropping that it was going to be a Eurovision trailer reveal
0: yeah exactly and it was like i think they really knew their target audience well like Doctor Who fans are on the whole quintessentially british not to say it's not a global fan base but there's a lot of british isms to it so in the uk hosted eurovision to be dropping the trailer during that i mean like it was just perfect like i'd say perfect timing but that makes it sound like it was an accident it was a very well calculated promotional move they are they're just they're just geniuses they're just geniuses it does make me wonder though seeing in the trailer did Mm. you notice it was the old time vortex from like the 2005 to 9 i'm like is that a placement or is it is it i don't know i think
1: it's a placeholder okay i think it's purely done because they're bringing back kind of you know the doctor and companion from that era I don't think that's what we're going to get mm. in reality it's a funny choice though I'm pretty sure that won't be the new Vortex I'm like you know 99% sure it won't be in which case I don't know why they didn't just go for kind of a generic kind of background with some stars I don't know why they went for kind of the time Vortex
0: well this is my point like if they were going to go for any kind of generic placeholder it would make sense to maybe use Jodie's because that was the most recent one and people go oh they've not put the new one there and I do get what you mean about they're saying oh we'll put the one from the." Era of this Doctor and this companion because that kind of emulates that feeling. But it is leaning towards... I mean, hey, you know me. Love nostalgia. My nostalgia girly through and through. However, a lot of people online are saying that they don't want the 60th... Like, the celebration of the last 60 years of Doctor Two, to just become a celebration of Russell T. Davies' work on the show, which there is like a fear of that happening but I don't know I just saw it and I was like it's the titles I grew up with
1: I mean like I've said I don't think it will be in that I think two things one I'm pretty sure the second 60th which they're staying very quiet about the second episode and they've shown really I think nothing from that there may be like one frame that's been revealed but I'm pretty sure the bulk of that episode hasn't been shown in any of the teasers or trailers Mm. and I think we might get some surprises little twists yet to come you know it was said ages ago RTD said you've only seen what was filmed outside you haven't seen anything that was filmed in the studios and the other thing i'd say is that i think the overarching theme of the 60th is going to be about kind of moving on and embracing change and i don't think Mm -hmm. it's going to be too much of a kind of congratulatory remember how good it was you know 15 years ago no exactly I, i think that'd be a really strange thing to do i'm sure he's very cognizant of the fact that there's been 15 years of doctor who since his era so i i think it'll be yeah Done carefully,
0: and I think a lot of the footage they have shown in these trailers, it they all feel very much of the same tone. Everyone's wearing the same outfits. It genuinely wouldn't surprise me if all the footage they would shown is from the first episode, the Star Beast, and they kind of made it look like they were showing like a clip from each episode when they gave the title of them. And I know that the last episode's called the Giggle, which also weird choice for a finale title. <laughs> and they had like a little giggle in the background. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if all the footage we've seen is only from the first special. I totally agree. Something will happen at the end of the first special, and w- like you know, Matt smith could turn up at the end of the first special and we're going to be like oh shoot we really have no idea what's about to happen
1: very wishful thinking but i'd love it if it did i think there will be big surprises and i don't think they've actually shown clips from each episode as they announced those titles i'm pretty sure that was a misdirect No, i think a lot of the footage comes from the first episode
0: I agree, completely agree. But hey, happy to have the doctor and companion back from one of the golden eras, one of the many golden eras of Doctor Who, which leads us quite nicely into the episode we're discussing today. Yay! So, Alistair, do you want to tell everyone what we are watching today, what we're reviewing and recapping on Hulala?
1: So we had a request for this one from uh, at Sammy on Twitter. And any excuse to kind of go back to series four is an excuse we'll take. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to linger here too much, but it does feel relevant given that we've had a lot of kind of David and Catherine on our TVs and given that they're back later this year, it seems like a good time to look at the episodes anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But it always feels like a bit of a treat to go back to series four and especially this one because it's such a joy. So this week... We are watching The Unicorn and the Wasp from May
0: 2008. Yes. Well, it's literally almost to the day. So the day this episode is being released of Hoolala is the 18th of May. And this episode was released on the 17th of May 2008. So nearly to the day. 15 years to the day. 15 years and a day. It's pretty wild, isn't
1: it? 15 years have passed it's pretty wild and we're waiting (laughs) for David Tennant and Catherine Tate (laughs) as Donna Noble and the Doctor back on our TV
0: I can't believe that we're talking about this episode that doesn't feel 15 years old but was 15 years ago and you and I have just spent the first 10 minutes of the podcast talking about the next episode of Doctor Who to come out later this year which is the Doctor and Donna Marty what year is it what year is it Marty and Sammy on Twitter did promise us both a Harvey Wallbanger for doing this episode so Sammy I will be waiting for my cocktail that's the only reason I'm in this exactly (laughs) Uh, do you want to give a little bit of context for this episode of who
1: yeah so the unicorn and the wasp is the seventh episode of series four it came out on the 17th of may 2008 it is written by gareth roberts and it scored a 7.7 on imdb Hmm. it was directed by graham harper who's done loads of other episodes such as the rise of the cybermen and the age of steel the army of ghosts and doomsday utopia last Hmm. of the time lords partners in crime uh, turn left the stolen earth journey's end and the waters of mars he loves doing a finale he does so sam do you want to tell us a bit about story for anyone who might have forgotten this one
0: absolutely now my advice as always is if you've not watched the episode recently go back and give it a rewatch. it's well worth your time but if not i'll give you a little quick summary of the episode so the Doctor and Donna crash Lady Edison's party in 1926, only to discover that the guest of honour is none other than Agatha Christie, who as history states, goes missing that very day. The festivities are short-lived when they learn that the infamous unicorn jewel thief is at large and a murder is discovered in the library. Their adventure starts to look like one of her murder mysteries.
1: As more people are killed and the Doctor survives a poisoning attempt, they realise these murders are playing out exactly like one of Agatha's books. They deduce that Revelyn Golightly is not only the Vesper form, but the long-lost son of Lady Edison.
0: They realise his mind is linked to Agatha's, and that he is killing people because that's what happens in her books. In an act of guilt, Agatha draws the Vespa form to the lake, in which it drowns and dies. The link between them is broken, and Agatha loses her memory, so the Doctor and Donna return her to a hotel in Harrogate, learning the truth to the mystery surrounding Agatha Christie. Oof!
1: nice job. The listeners won't hear this, but there was about there was about three takes per sentence there <laughs> because we <laughs> struggled to get our mouths around the number of times I said, deduce the reverend go lightly It's a very hard sentence to say.
0: I was looking at the notes that we've made for the episode earlier, and both of us have just gone on about how much we love Donna in this episode.
1: yeah, this pairing's fantastic it's a, It's just a really fun, silly episode. It's very light, despite there actually being a few deaths in this one. It's, it's really a fun <laughs> episode and has a very happy ending.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I remember before we did Hula La, -la, my my partner, as I've said before on the podcast, he's not a big dog Two fan, he didn't grow up in the UK, so it's just not media that he ever really like in took. And obviously (laughs) Alistair and I do love the odd episode of dog Two. And we really wanted to get him to enjoy watching it. So I mean Alistair were like, right, what's a really good episode? Like a one episode that you don't just know anything about dog Two and you can watch and enjoy and we put on the Unicorn and the Wasp. And he was very sweet, he watched it and he, he enjoyed it as much as like I think he would. But then early today. When I was doing a rewatch this episode, I was eating dinner with him and I was like, do you mind if I put on the episode? Like, it's one of the ones you've seen before ages ago. Is that okay? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Just put it on while reading. And I started playing and he went, oh, is this the Agatha Christie one? And I was like, you remember? remember. So it obviously had some kind of, like, stick into his mind. Yeah, my boyfriend uh, was also sat with me
1: for this one. And he had a lot of fun because... It's, it's funny. You and me, we know these episodes line for line for line. And mm-hmm. for me now, they don't always get a laugh because I just know them by heart. So I love watching them because they're comfort episodes, but I know the jokes. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend was really laughing. And I was like, this one is funny, isn't it? This is a really funny episode. But it's one of those. It's difficult now sometimes for us always to see it fresh because we're so familiar
0: that's a really good point and especially like it's all that like, there's just so this is I mean th- this is just a camp episode and it was such a great recommendation to do for an episode of Hula You know we both love a quote. We love a quotable love. moment and this just has so many good bits especially from Donna as well. I love uh, when she is trying to use her amazing powers of detection. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when she's doing the Poirot impression and later I mean there's too many good quotes to to list but when they were saying, when Agatha is interrogating the unicorn and she says, you said you went to the toilet. And Donna goes, oh, I know this one. If she was really posh, she'd say, no. Lou <laughs> like, It's just so good.
1: I've realised that if you just look at the subtitles for this episode, it really has potential to land poorly. Like this episode could have been so cheesy and really not landed the mm. way it does, but it's everything about the performance. It's the way everyone delivers this and the direction totally. that makes this work.
0: Mm-hmm. I think everyone just goes 1,010% into it like they really lean into the like camp silliness of you know all those transatlantic accents that are all like we're really going to do this tip-pip-pips what what and, and I think because as an audience member you get Donna who because the Doctor's kind of a chameleon he can like you know how he when he arrives at the party and he's like we were thrilled to receive your invitation mm-hmm. and then Donna tries to do it and she's like uh, spiffing what what and he's like no 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 don't no, we get kind no, of like no, a throwback no. to when he was talking to Rose with the Scottish accent like no no don't even <laughs> (laughs) don't try Mm -hmm. i think we then through donna get reminded like this is silly like like we know this is over the top we know this is silly and then it means we can like have a laugh with them instead of at them
1: yes yes so give me a specific high tell me one of your favorite parts of this
0: okay so one of my favorite highs and i'm assuming this is the same for you is the poisoning scene with the doctor yep the poisoning scene is down poisoning scene down it's so good so basically while the doctor is he's he's deducing there's, we can say deducing and deducting so many times in this episode <laughs> he's figuring things out too quickly and and so someone tries to poison him in order to you know get him out of the picture and he realizes that he as a he's not human because Agatha Christie's saying to him like oh you know it's it's cyanide it's um sparkling cyanide it's fatal you're gonna die and he's like no, no no I can expel it I can detox and he's like dying and he can't really talk and he's trying to explain to Donna what he needs so he's like, like charades yeah he's basically playing charades and And he's like, Walnuts and he pulls it. And she starts shaking. She's like, milk milk, shake. No, what do you want? A Harvey Woolbang? And he's like, How is Harvey Woolbang on (laughs) one word? And then he's like, I need something salty, I need some salt. And so she gives him a bag and he's like, What's this? And she goes, salt. And he's like, No, 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 that's too salty. Oh, it's too salty. Her best friend's dying. And she's like, Oh,
1: that's too salty. (laughs) There's the other bit where he's trying to like, he's trying to mime a shock, and he's like bought both his hands out. And she's like, Oh, it's it's a song. (laughs) Meme. (laughs)
0: Meme and she's like camp town and I just love that he's dying like you said there are lots of deaths in this episode but it's somehow camp town races it just really manages to keep quite a light tone because he's literally dying and when she says something ridiculous he like stops and he'll be like camp town races yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's the way
1: it like fills the time he could have taken to just give her the answer to kind of challenge what she just
0: said excellent humour so 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 funny what about you what's something you loved in this episode
1: um for me, I've just written everything Donna does. So the other quote <laughs> that stands out for me, because this episode is is just extraordinary, is, tell me there's no Noddy. Is there? Tell me there's no Noddy. <laughs> there's no Noddy. It's so good. It, it's good as well because it comes off the back of all the things that are absurd but have happened. It'd be like me and Charles Dickens surrounded by ghosts. Well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Could happen. Could happen. And will hurt. I, I mean, there'll probably be an episode of Doctor Who with Noddy if anything was going to happen under Russell T. Davies. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me if it was that.
1: Her other moments I really liked. One was her little moment of allyship. Not for Roger, but for Roger's... What relation did they have to each other? Roger's special friend. Who is he? Is he a waiter or a butler or a house servant? I don't know what his role is. A butler. I think he's a butler. He's a butler. And uh, she's like, oh, it's awful. He can't even mourn him. Oh, 1924. Oh, you'd think it was the Dark Ages. And I was like, good for you, Donna. No one else pauses
0: for him. Donna does. Donna does. I love the scene where she'd been flirting with him and then she sort of catches him eyeing up the butler. And then she goes, typical. All the decent men are on the other bus. And then the doctor's like, or a time lords.
1: (laughs) The other quote I really like is when they're kind of like finally whittling down at the end who the murderer is and she's like (laughs) nibbling away on, I don't know what she's
0: eating, but she's got a full mouth and she's like, so
1: not murderer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The doctor says like, and now we turn to you, Donna Noble. And she again, full mouth goes, what? Who did I kill? (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, we're talking about like allies and allyship. There's such a f- it, it's kind of a like mean jab, but it, it's so funny in context. When the the dad, so they say something like, um "Oh, uh, the maid said the, the poor child." Does that mean anything to you? And he goes, "No children in this house for years, and I very much doubt there will be." Like looking at his like very obviously closeted son, and the son's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so camp i really like that i really really like that inclusion Mm. it's funny
1: because i don't really remember this i don't remember there being like some like really gay characters in this episode from back then but i don't remember it being at all shocking or interesting to me but maybe it was
0: yeah i feel like it's been stuck again i'm finding it so hard to like sift through what's nostalgic like what i actually remember happening and what i've just told myself happened because i've seen it so many times it's always been apparent in my memory but like i'm sure that very much went over my head when i was watching this for the first time
1: yeah i I think it must have done maybe I just thought it was a funny joke and I didn't really, like, think too deep about it. i got to say, they're very handsome. Mm. They cast some really handsome gays for this, which makes sense
0: for a gay writer and a gay showrunner. You'd like to think it's very much giving American Horror Story. Yes. Another one of my highs, and I feel like it's kind of linked to what we've said, but it's amazing performances. I think that Fenella Woolgar, who played Agatha Christie did such an incredible performance for and and the reason i think it works so well is because this episode is it's camp and it's silly and it's spiffing ho what what blah, 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 blah. and she is actually very grounded in her performance it's quite underplayed it's mm-hmm. she has you know the odd the odd like spiffing moment but should, Agatha Christie, at this point in her life, has just come off of finding out that her husband has had an affair, and she's heartbroken. And they they speak about the fact that she's you know putting on this brave face, and she's going to parties and putting her work out there but you can tell that she's really hurt and not only in her personal life, but she doesn't genuinely believe that her books are worth much. Like she doesn't think she's that good of an author. And there's a really, really sweet scene with her and Donna sat down in the garden Mm. where Donna is trying to connect with her and saying that she'd previously been in love with someone that turned out to be wrong for her. (laughs) Again, there's the funny bit. She goes, well, mine was with a giant spider, but same difference. And you just really get an insight into where Agatha Christie's head would have been at that point. And I think when you're doing a historical episode of Doctor especially with a real character, you do need moments like that to ground them because we all know who Agatha Christie is. We love the books. We love the films, the TV shows that were made of it. But she was a real person with real flaws and real insecurities. And I think in an episode as camp and silly as this, you need that central character to be grounded somewhat in reality yeah and i just think that she did such an incredible job with that i agree it works well to have everyone around her be a
1: total caricature of the time and an exaggerated agatha christie novel character but yeah you're right it works really well that she's a very grounded and believable and kind of restrained character in herself Mm. and i like as well that she kind of she kind of keeps the group together at times as well there are points yeah. where kind of the doctor's getting a bit overexcited and she's like let's let's tone it down a bit here let's yeah or you know the the other two are kind of enjoying the adventure a bit and she's like oh this is horrible it's all my fault
0: and she kind of almost brings yeah. it back
1: to kind of how people would react to to these insane events
0: she kind of keeps the doctor in check because you're exactly right he is like enjoying the fun of the fact that you know there's a murder mystery the Christy, and the christian Donna's there for the ride and he'll he'll be like he'll say something like oh that's brilliant and she'll be like how can you say this is brilliant? Someone's just been murdered. Yeah. Like someone's dead and you're acting like this is fun. And I think that we've both spoken about this before, I think in other instances, the Doctor needs someone to like hold him back and Mm -hmm. restrain him. And I think that just even in a little scene like this, where she's just keeping in check and being like, stop looking like you're having so much fun, people are being killed. Mm -hmm. I think she does a really good job. I agree.
1: Another kind of nice high for me, I think, is just like how much it reminded me of the tv agatha christie shows that used to be on a lot that my grandparents would always Mm. put on they were just like constantly on in my house when my grandparents came to like look after us in the summer or something there was the um joan hickson agatha christie's miss marple series which was on Mm -hmm. i think at some point in the 80s and then there was the poirot series with david Suchet, which i think was sort of through the 90s and 10s yeah and it gave me very like cozy memories of that i think as well
0: yeah, no, I, I can second that. I feel that my granddad was a huge watcher of murder mysteries and detective shows, especially. And I think, yeah, I would go to their house on like a Thursday or something or on a weekend. And it gives you very much that kind of vibe. And I think that it's a very nostalgic episode in that respect.
1: It is as well. And I think it was on a lot at that time as well. I think mm. there was just constant reruns of that stuff that was always on like ITV2 or something at some point in the day. Uh, I don't know if it's like yeah. That's all kind of Love Island stuff now. I don't know if you'd
0: see uh, <laughs> Miss Marple on that just so much. Just how but... fast the night <laughs> changes. <laughs> <laughs> they threw away the detective and uh, Miss Marple and now we get Love Island. I've just got a text. They
1: did. It all goes on Alibi now. That's like the dedicated channel for nothing but
0: this now. So. Mm. Have you got any lows for this episode? I do have a couple little ones. Like, like nothing big. This is a very, no. very positive episode for me. I love this episode. Um, one thing that I thought was like a bit low at times is it has quite dodgy visual effects at times i I don't know if you caught it so just before the dinner scene where the son roger gets killed there's a wide shot of the exterior of the house and it's very clearly been shot and then made to look like night and then they add in some like visual effects lightning strikes as if to be like (laughs) Like, (laughs) something is happening and it's a couple of times like that it looks a bit odd i actually think that this i often say and i've said on the podcast that people will complain about bad animation and it's not that it's badly animated or modelled it's composited into the scene poorly and i think that the Vesper form on the whole looks really good i think it's a very good model of the wasp i think it's scaled up well i think that it interacts with the scenes generally quite well i mean another example would be once the doctor's expelling the poison that like big cloud of smoke comes out of his mouth and there's probably a million ways you could have done that practically and it looked really cool but instead it's just this big digital Grey cloud that kind of like, it's <gasps> like out of his mouth. And it's, it, this is just me yeah. being like panickety and fiddly, but there are a few times yeah. where I'm like, okay, it kind of ages the episode in a way. It, it, it,
1: they do. It has been 15 years, I suppose, but they do remind me of the kind of level of CGI we'd get in sort of the Sarah Jane adventures, right? They look pretty, exactly it's um yeah it's not the greatest maybe they were saving up their budget for the finale or something but i guess even yeah there it's not kind of remarkable but I, I, I don't know if this is true but i wonder if it's kind of a lot of the in-house bbc stuff they did at the time and i mean it's a different world with vfx as well right it's been so long since then that so much has changed and all of our standards for what's acceptable on television now are different mm-hmm. um, and i feel like even even at that time it was going through a huge evolution in terms of what we kind yeah. of held on tv it didn't stand out for me that it was a problem i think i was in enjoying The story and the like character so much that I wasn't bothered by it at all. Maybe as a first time viewer, you'd kind of point it out. The lightning flashes did make me laugh because those are done kind of it, at least inside the house. There's kind of lightning flashes happening during dinner and then right after mm. uh, during a very dramatic scene. And they're like indoor strobe lights, like they're getting like, you know, that meme of like iCarly coming into her flat and she gets like, <laughs> like oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that, <laughs> but constant. And they are just all getting like, Dazzled with like white light and I'm like what the hell kind of lightning is this but apart from that <laughs> I'm happy with it
0: no exactly it's it's a very it, I was looking for a low when I'm trying to like compare things that have happened in this episode and how it come to it without like my rose tinted glasses of nostalgia I want to try and like fight the cold hard facts but no that's me that's me very niggly I have so many more highs than lows for this I mean there's like this is just me looking for lows I mean this is such a good episode overall one thing that this episode's really good for that I guess wasn't intentional at the time but it's interesting looking at it now is it's another one of those episodes where there's an extremely famous British actor and actress on screen that wasn't quite big yet. Um, So Felicity Jones is in this episode playing the unicorn and she's great in this episode. She's so camp. She's so fun, especially like Well, I was going to say, especially when she realises, when we realise she's the unicorn, but not even then. There's a bit where Agatha Christie's, like, struggling with the mystery and she just sits next to her and she goes, Shirley, you can crack it. (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought that was so fun. And then when you realise she's the unicorn, she's like, all right, it's a fair cup. And she puts on, like, the thickest fake, like, Dick Van Dyke cockney accent you've ever heard. She's like, "Yeah, I I took my chance in the dark and nabbed it. I'm the bleeding unicorn. I was going to say,
1: this is my next high, like, everything said in the scene is so funny but like the whole like trope I, I love that trope of like when um they get caught out and they go from their refined english voice ah, oh, all right the game's up. <laughs> oh, just so funny what was it what'd she say she said um oh yes i'm the bleeding unicorn nice to meet you i don't think and then there's an even better line which is all right you knobs
0: arrest me <laughs> <laughs> it's so. I can't think of a word for other than camp. I hate like pushing the word camp onto things, whether because I don't know whether or not I it's don't know intention.
1: what else we can use.
0: I don't know what else we can use but I don't know what else to say it's honestly just so camp it's such a good episode the dialogue is so funny the performances like even like the dad when the doctor has the interrogation scene where he's trying to find out where everyone was at the time of the murder and they all have like a flashback to where they were every single one of those flashbacks is amazing but then the dad falls into a flashback within a flashback and he's doing a real like army sergeant voice I was just reminiscing about the good old days like, <laughs> the good old days <laughs> of the war mm. the
1: Colonel was really funny. I loved that. What I really, really loved is every time they went back into a flashback, they had the kind of cheesy harp music playing and then all their faces get distorted. Mm. But the distorted vases in themselves made me laugh. That one was a really, really funny flashback, though, where it goes to a flashback within a flashback where he's just getting horny. Um, mm-hmm. was my favourite part I didn't realise this this is an early fun fact Graham the director apparently this is kind of his signature when he directs he likes to include distorted faces in his episodes deliberately mm. so that's a style he likes to do so apparently he does it in like the army of ghosts with magnifying glasses and utopia there's a curved window in Journey's End there's mirrors in Turn Left he oh. loves to like show like distorted character faces and that's his thing that's so really
0: interesting
1: in this one there's I guess that in the transition is part of it but the other one is um donna using her
0: magnifying glass you took the words out of my mouth i was gonna say donna's magnifying glass yeah it's great it's a fun little it's a fun little signature yeah no that's right. it's a it's a cooling card it's a really fun calling card it's a cooling card one thing that i it's not so, it's not like a low for this episode i understand that you know an episode can only be so long uh but i don't know if you know about all the deleted scenes and stuff and there was an alternate ending to this episode which featured an older agatha
1: hmm yes, I did know this.
0: And it's so, like that, if, if I had to give like one more low for the episode, that would be it, that they didn't include this. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a deleted scene at the end. So once the Doctor and Donna have returned Agatha to the hotel and they leave her, obviously in the episode, they sort of talk amongst themselves and they realise, you know, they're saying it's sad because she never knew how much her work was worth and they don't know whether or not she believed that she was incredible as she is. And, uh, you know, we kind of just say she will know because her work like, lived on forever but there's a much more literal sort of answer to this where they go and meet an adult, like, well, not adult, a much older Agatha in like a nursing home bed and they then sort of reassure her that her work is going to live forever and it's going to leave a legacy that will always be remembered. And I just think that's such a sweet scene. It's really sad they didn't make the cut. I
1: have watched it before and I think I remember thinking at the time, maybe this was okay not to leave in, like maybe this was fine.
0: Yeah, I mean- Controversial. I- Contra- I mean to be fair, I hadn't, I didn't rewatch it for this recording, so maybe I'll watch Muted it after dying. we record, and I'll be like, oh, this did not need to be in it. But um, yeah. I guess it's that it doesn't need to be that literal. Like they're going up to Agatha, and they're saying hello, you are really good and you're loved and all this. Whereas it, it is a very sweet scene and we get that little funny moment of the Doctor digging through all the things that begin with C and the TARDIS, like Cybermen and Carrie And I. and Donna, it, It's I guess it's more coming from Donna's perspective rather than Agatha's, where she's saying, oh, it's so sad, she never knew. And the Doctor reassures Donna, like, no, look, this is from the year 5 billion, like her work will never go after. I also can't really see them printing paperbacks in the year five billion but the doctor's
1: are. obsession with the year five billion needs to be studied it's never four billion never three billion only five billion
0: no nothing else ever happens outside of that it's, it's either present day or five billion yeah exactly nowhere in between nowhere in between it's one of the two
1: there was actually another early fun fact linked to what you just said which is that they actually originally wrote a different ending that they didn't stick with thank goodness oh yeah um <laughs> which is where they resolve the ending by having the doctor ram the to perform into the lake with a car that he and donna have commandeered but david tennant is actually the one who objected to this because he felt that that ending would show the doctor as a murderer which is true like that was a good objection
0: (laughs) that yeah i mean the doctor has been known to kill before but i think literally like ramming Ramming his car into the wasp that's that might be a bit much And, and like you kind of learn you're meant to by the end of it feel quite it's quite a somber ending. Yeah, it's been to be like a bittersweet end for everyone. Yeah, it's not a malicious murderer that is looking to kill people for the sake of it. It's someone who you know, the, the vicar didn't ask for this. He was born and was given up and he didn't realize he had this like genetic heritage and the own, it's a complete mistake that he has the mentality of a murderer because it just so happened that someone you know, Lady Edson outside of his control was reading an Agatha Christie book at the time. And so much as they do need to die, it, it you're not meant to feel good about it. And, you know, do, cause Donna is actually the one who instigates it. She throws the diamond not another diamond, the, um, What's it called? The the necklace.
1: The 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 heart. The 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 spice. The spice. The, spice. Alive, the joy of the river. The <laughs> song of the gem. The heart. The fire
0: the, diamond. The fire. The firestone. The, the firestone fire isn't it? The firestone. There you go. We got it in the end. Um. It's actually Donna in the end who gets rid of the Vesperform form. She takes the Firestone and she throws it into the lake because she knows that you know you can kill a wasp by drowning it. And the Doctor has that moment where he says to her, "He's like that that thing couldn't help itself," and she said, "Well, neither could I," because she was just like I, all of these people are being killed. She and, does
1: stand up for herself.
0: Yeah, she stands up for herself and she really holds her own. She says, "Like I can't let like sit and watch anyone else die." And then there's again the bittersweet moment when the Vesperform could take Agatha's form. It could it could move its consciousness to her, and it it doesn't. it, it passes on and it knows that that's wrong and it it shows her mercy at the end
1: yeah you know what's funny and stupid is when it's like how do you kill a wasp and in my head i was like
0: jam (laughs) wait what
1: (laughs) like i just just, said that's the first thing in my head was like how do you kill a wasp i was like jam and then i thought it through and i was like no i guess you i guess i was like how do you catch a wasp yeah i was thinking jam
0: i guess i'd be like folded up newspaper and just like whack it
1: whack it that would've that was the original ending if the doctor had rammed the wasp with the car. How'd he kill a wasp? Whack it then.
0: <laughs> it's just the giant spanner. It has to be bigger than the best before. <gasps> Smash, <laughs> it <then. laughs> Smash it then. Smash it then. Oh my god. Well, hey, there you go. So many so many IMDb ways they could have gone. Three out of ten right away. <laughs> This episode, I mean, as we've kind of touched on, it's it's got such a calibre of incredible cast, like we we're saying Felicity Jones, Vanilla guy, I mean Catherine Tate and David Tennant, obviously. But there is a fun little cameo in here that I think you also know about. One of the I think Handmen or Butlers, I'm not really sure what his title would be, was played by none other than Mr. David Tennant's father. Yes, it was, which I think is so lovely. I know Sandy McDonald. good old Sandy McDonald. David Tennant's dad played the butler and I just think that's such a fun little cameo I love when they get to hide those things into an episode and it's like a little easter egg that fans can spot I also remember and I think this was very much like the peak era for like weird battles in time cards that he gets his own battles in time card and I just think that's so funny
1: oh my god I love that I love that he just got to act opposite his son as well like I'm sure he Mm. was so proud of David Tennant I'm sure Um, because he appears I think yeah what's the video that we've seen a million billion times YouTube's constantly recommending it for me again it's his like special lifetime achievement award and his oh, dad yeah. is in that video I think
0: yeah no he is and he's sat there with Georgia Tennant next to him when he's watching it on screen and it's so it's so cute and I love when Doctor gets to do it you'll find it quite a few times where they'll hide someone's like a child or husband or wife or someone into the scene and I always think that's really fun. not
1: hiding the children not hiding the children and wives
0: hiding the children well I really hope and it, you know all the specials are obviously, they've been shot long ago. and they- They've shot them?
1: The children and wives? Oh my God. You're such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> go
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> they shot <laughs> Oh my god, that's so stupid! No, it was just. It'd be really cute if they um, shot a little cameo for Titanen in there somehow. You want to shoot Titanen? Oh my god, I'm not letting this joke carry on
1: anymore. No, stop I'm trying sorry. to make
0: shooting happen. It's not going to happen.
1: Why do you want nepo babies in TV so badly?
0: Hey, listen. If I could be yeah, a nepo listen. baby, I would be too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, you know what? So would I. I'd take every opportunity I could take. Let me say one very final high about this episode that mm-hmm. i really like i just enjoy i mean it, it kind of ties in i guess with all the agatha christie references which are littered throughout this as they would be and done very well but um mm. the names in this as well reverend go lightly um Rabina redmond is so funny <laughs> uh just like greaves and davenport professor peach like i just i'm obsessed It's with so, cluedo. That. It's it's so, so cluedo. cluedo it's
0: so mm. cluedo it's so I That's love it. so funny. Well, then Donna makes that funny comment, which is like Professor Peach, the murder in the library. Mm. Like it's <laughs> it, it's it literally is a game of Cluedo. I always think it's funny as well that in America Cluedo is called Clue, and, and like I like. But who who decided that they Americans were like so dumb that they couldn't no work dough. out what they'll Cluedo get confused meant by the dough. So yeah. yeah, they'll get confused with the dough. So you just got to call it Clue. Oh, they
1: can handle it. They can handle it. Trust them with it, guys. It's like in um. Series 5 of Doctor Who, they added um, previously on at the start of all of their episodes, only for the US, because they were like, they'll have forgotten what happened last time.
0: I'm like honey it's been a week we, <laughs> we remember week. We remember. it's been a
1: week it's okay it's been a week
0: I don't know how we we're all meant to remember what happened in 2000 wait you and I will have been refreshing our memories with episodes like these but uh, I don't know how people are meant to remember exactly what happened 15 years ago when these specials come out We, you know what we need to do I think and, and you dear listener please let us know um, if there are more casual viewers of Doctor Who listening to this podcast which I'd be very surprised of if you're this deep into a Doctor Who podcast and you're a casual viewer whether it'd be useful to have some kind of here's what you missed on Glee Style episodes of Hula La, where we go through things that you might want to know before going to the specials. Would that be something you'd want to listen to? I think we could do a
1: really lovely job of here's what you missed on Glee with Doctor Who, uh, and bring everyone up to speed on all the eras they might have missed. Because I think even the hardcore fans, a lot of people tell us that they have an era that they missed, or a few that they skipped, or a few they don't remember that well. So I think we could do a very quick whistle stop tour of some of the old eras and uh, help people prep maybe for the new episodes.
0: I think that that's worth doing. We'll put it in the books. We'll put it in the books.
1: We'll put it in the books. Sam, are you ready to play another game of
0: Camp or Down? Let's go, baby. Let's go.
1: Now, very difficult for this episode because it's all camp all the time. That's so much. Every minute of every second of this episode. So I've had to pick out a few select quotes here. And mm-hmm. I think I can say what the answers are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> first quote oh, all the decent men are on another bus
0: oh, all the decent men are on the other bus that is camp that's high camp it's the way that it's shot over the shoulder of the two F slurs with the Dr. McDonald <laughs> looking at them <laughs> and I just think that yeah it, camp campity camp camp camp
1: <laughs> the two F slurs when they're spending all their time together and he's like where were you today he's like I was totally alone completely alone with a flashback to him kind of <laughs> being romantic by the tree okay next quote is
0: Professor the library, murder, murder! <laughs> it, it's it's camp. In any other setting, I would not. I'd be like, you know, someone shouting about someone being murdered. Not camp. Not funny. Professor. But something about Professor, the library, murder. especially shouting it to agatha christie it's great it's not that it's it's the running and
1: waving of the arms up in the air as well it's probably quite a very flailing isn't it potentially the more camp part of this is not the shouting it's actually the way that she gets hit on the head with something heavy enough to just crush her (sighs) and then she still like takes a moment to like slowly die and say that
0: poor boy The poor child. Yeah, and she's obviously been, like, bashed to death by this, like, huge stone structure. And yet she has, like, the teeniest, tiniest cut on her forehead. I'm like, (laughs) honey, your your head would be caved in. She was just killed by it. Really
1: hurting. (laughs) Uh, No children in this house for years. Highly unlikely
0: there will be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Homophobia is never camp. However, it's kind of camp that he clocked his son.
1: You know, are they even homophobic? I don't even know if they are. Like, I feel like this is a pretty tolerant family because they're like, I know what you are. It's nineteen twenty something, and they're all just like. Mm. Eye roll. They're all. They all know what's going on. Even at the like, oh, that's just cheating. When they all pop their heads out the doors, and they
0: both pop their head out the same bedroom door. Um, <laughs> everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. It's funny. I, I'll say. I'll say. There is something a bit camp about it. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, this whole episode's camp.
1: Some homophobia is camp. Let me remind you about the uh, the monster can woman bottoms up, and the devil laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> My next favourite moment that really had all of us laughing in the living room was when the vicar gets exposed and they kind of reveal kind of the truth and he's starting to get angry and he goes, "This is poppycock."
0: (laughs) Camp. No, it's so silly. It's uh, it's like his way of trying to like hold the room and be like, "This, "This is ridiculous." And the word he goes for is poppycock. This is poppycock. Shirley cracked it. Shirley just cracked it. (laughs) (laughs) Poppycock. No, I can't even say it. Poppycock. Honey, there were some poppycocks in that room and they they were all camp. Oh, oh, (laughs) a lot of people die in this episode. Yeah, a lot of people die in this episode. The doctor really turned up and was like, yeah, people are going to die. And that's terrible, but inevitable. That's actually
1: the doctor entering a room. The doctor entering any situation. Yeah, people are gonna die People are gonna die Which is terrible, but inevitable <laughs> it's mm, So Maybe I shouldn't be doing oh, this right so now weird. Yeah
0: <laughs> Three months sounds like a bunch of bullshit Maybe I shouldn't be doing this right now But the do doctor right deciding to like land somewhere oh my god that's literally the doctor at the end of um human nature and family of blood when uh joan redvin asks him if you hadn't decided to come here on a whim would anyone have died and it's like i don't know maybe i shouldn't be doing this right now
1: oh i think we're gonna say it's the yeah uh, yeah three months sounds like a bunch of bullshit
0: bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Them turning up in human no that's martha. that's martha that's martha when the doctor's like we've got to go into hiding three months sounds like a bunch of three bullshit three months sounds like
1: a bunch of bullshit <laughs>
0: Um, Are you ready for some fun facts? Yes, hit me with some fun facts. A few fun
1: facts. (laughs) Obviously all ripped fresh from the TARDIS wiki. Thank God for the TARDIS data core because Mm -hmm. she's giving everything. So this one's pretty shocking. (laughs) The role of Rabina Redmond was actually originally offered to Georgia Moffat. Before she ended up playing the Doctor's daughter and then marrying David Tennant. And another casting that was offered, the role of Lady Edison, was actually offered to Helen Mirren.
0: Ooh, that would have been really interesting. I feel like it's a bit too small of a role for Helen Mirren. Like You want her to come in and be like the Rani or someone. Like You need her to play like a a big baddie, I feel like. But that's really interesting about Georgia Moffat. I wonder why she couldn't do it.
1: Well, I wonder if they just said, actually, there's something else that you'd be better for. I, I don't know how that mm. discussion came about.
0: She's been involved in the whole thing. I know she was auditioning for Rose as well, so she she'd been gunning for a role at that point.
1: Yeah, but yeah, Helen Mirren—it's it, definitely a bit too too small for for Helen. I mean, offered—I'm I'm sure that was a, a, not a fee that she was interested in.
0: Yeah, I feel like I, there's a big difference between like offered and nearly cast. Yes.
1: Uh, Fun fact, Agatha Christie's grandson actually sat in on script readings and rehearsals.
0: Oh, that's lovely. That's really sweet. I I wonder if they invited him as just like a nice nod to his grandmother or to be like, if you hear anything inaccurate, let us know. Let us know. (laughs) He'd be like, I don't remember there being a giant wasp, grandmama. Yeah, his
1: name is um, Matthew Pritchard. I have no idea what role he would have played in this advising. Maybe they just felt it was right to have someone from her estate come in to kind of advise on an episode or maybe Mm. that was part of the deal to be able to kind of portray her likeness uh but i don't know maybe If, if nothing
0: else it's just really sweet that he was there
1: it's nice and i assume he was delighted one potential fun fact for anyone who's especially keen-eyed when they land donna says oh forget the planet zog party in the 1920s and she's way more happy with that so we think it's kind of just a throwaway about kind of the name the planet zog but the planet zog does actually show up at the end of the series hmm. so uh in the end of time they do actually go to uh the planet zog it's where uh the adipos are on the bar and captain jack is drinking apparently that all happens on zog
0: oh that's fun i didn't realize that was based
1: I don't think that was the intention, but if you wanted to do a very accurate canonical reading of how they ended up here, because it's not really explained why they're here, unless they were trying to gate crash, but it doesn't seem they were, because the Doctor has to work out what year it is. The idea is they were aiming for Zog to, you know, go and, I don't know, go to a bar, and they ended up going to a completely different party altogether. But
0: uh, who knows? Who knows? That's really fun. I also, and I should have said this earlier in the episode, the out, I love the outfit and the hairstyle Donna has when they arrive and she's got that like pink top on. I remember they did a back-to-back shot of the two of them, like a promo shoot right by the TARDIS here. And it was, I don't know what you saw, but it was plastered. I remember like it was the photo they used, I think, when they announced that David Tennant was leaving. It was obviously the one they used for this episode. And she literally wears it on screen for like 45 oh, the pink, seconds. the pink, it's The pink, o- the pink one. Yeah, yeah, the pink one. And I, I love that. I, I I always remember thinking, I was like, underused outfit.
1: Yeah, they do that often, underused outfits in Dock 2. They have some of their best kind of only ever appear kind of for minutes sometimes.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's really fun though. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Russell deliberately named that bar like on the planet Zog and and had that little tie saying they were going to go to a bar in Zog, but instead of the planet Zog, it's a party in the 1920s. Because you best believe Donna gets her cocktail within minutes of being there.
1: Oh, she's. right. I mean, they're serving it at half past four.
0: It's five o'clock somewhere. What is a sidecar? I know it's a cocktail. I don't know what's in it. Uh, me neither. But I do
1: like the way that everyone in this is 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 a blatant alcoholic. Is quite nice too. <laughs> very true to the
0: time. <laughs> very true to the time. Very true to the time. Well, Alastair. I think that is The Unicorn and the Wasp I think it is I can't think of anything else to say other than it's
1: it's it's a pretty perfect episode mm-hmm. sandwiched right in there in a pretty perfect series it's a lot of fun it's a silly episode it's a great light comfort watch
0: exactly I do I think every series of Doctor Who or every season if you want to use that word needs an episode like this where you could swap it out and put it anywhere in the season it's just a one and done it doesn't really cut the flow of the series you could put this earlier you could put this later it really doesn't matter it's just just like a fun romp and I think every series of Doctor Who needs to have at least one of these fun, silly episodes and I think this was a, like you said, perfect episode in the middle of a perfect series it's great what else can we say it's really good well uh, dear listener please let us know what did you think of the unicorn the wasp is it one of your favorite episodes did you absolutely hate it entirely do you know who agatha christie is do you not let us know we want to hear your thoughts on twitter instagram and tiktok all of which are at Pod. and as always you can rewatch old episodes of our podcast on the youtube channel which is also at Pod.
1: And if you have a moment, please do leave us a review uh, on whichever streaming service you are using, or indeed all of them. We really appreciate it. We appreciate your kind words and your ratings help us find new Doctor Who fans, uh, assuming you're giving us good
0: ratings. Five stars all round, baby. <laughs> One oh. star. <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help. Oh, well, as always, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. See you soon. Have a great week. Bye.